Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we are joined by our teaching pastor, Ian Simpkins, as we continue our series, Relationship Goals. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. And also on Monday nights at 6.30 p.m. We hope to see you there. Homer. Uh, Homer, wake up, wake up. Uh, we need to talk about the marital difficulties we've been having lately. You make a huge mess. You don't help me at all. You invite your friends over to drive me crazy all day. And all you can think of is, oh, she must have PMS. Let's just load her up with drugs. No, it's got St. John's warts in it. <laughs> just calm down and stop being so nervous. I am not nervous, Alice. I am not nervous. You're just saying that to make me nervous. I'll wear the pants in this bag. And when you zip them up, include your mouth. <laughs> so I think they just want to smack you. That you're in love with each other. You know, I can't believe I even thought of getting back together with you. We are so over. <laughs> Fine by me. How dare you say that to me? What did I say? I don't know, but how dare you? I'm sorry. What would, what would you do that for? It's just that... It sounds like you're becoming just like your father. I cannot believe you, Phil. How could you? What is uh, happening? What, what did I do? You don't know. We've had this conversation a hundred times. Yeah, no, no, I'm not. I'm not doing this again. You tell me what you did. Uh. uh was, was it? Uh, no, Phil. No, 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 no. I'm Claire, going to get some air. Claire. No, don't follow me. Happy Valenberth anniversary! <laughs> Who's been there before? Anybody? How about this? Moment of truth. Who's had some kind of conflict in the last two weeks? Jesus can see you. Come on, raise your hand. Uh, okay, how about the last two days? You see where this is going. <laughs> how many of you had some sort of conflict in the last two hours? Anyone? Who's in conflict right now? <laughs> yeah, as Amy mentioned, uh, we're going to talk about conflict today, and the doors have already been locked, so you can't go anywhere. Um, and we're calling this conflict goals, and that may surprise you, because so often when it comes to conflict, our goal is not to have them, right? Or to always win them. But we want to talk about what, is it, what does it look like to actually have healthy biblical conflict goals because i mean make no mistake about it if you are a human existing in the world you will have conflict regard you don't even need to leave your house anymore you will have conflict to be alive is to have conflict so this is something actually pretty beautifully that we all share in common regardless of your story or what brought you here or where you land theologically or politically we, we all will have conflict because we know as the good book says right where two or more are gathered, there will always be drama. Am I right? There's just always, there's always stuff 
to be in conflict about. I saw this uh, meme a couple years ago that I thought was pretty interesting. There's two guys arguing about what number it is that's on the ground. And it was usually like included with some sort of like poetry or whatever. Like my cynical brain goes, yeah, but it's one of those two numbers though, right? Either way, one of them is wrong. But the point is so often, doesn't this embody our social media interactions? So, so often our perspective at the time only allows us to see one side of the story. And when we can actually understand that, I think we can set up conflict goals that are actually honoring to each other. For example, uh, do you guys remember this viral sensation here? Remember the, uh, the dress? Do you guys remember that? Okay, if you don't remember, let's walk through it anyway. Who says that the dress is white and gold? Raise your hand if you see white and gold. All right, look around the room right now, everybody. Look around the room. Who says the dress is black and blue? Look around the room. Did you hear everyone just said, what? One more time, just for effect. Who says white and gold? Who says black and blue? Let's have some conflict. Let's do it. Um, now, now, I'll be honest. All I can see is white and gold. That's all I can see. But it turns out, not the first time, I'm wrong. The dress is actually black and blue. But it's an optical illusion and the applause are lovely. That's great. The internet lost its mind and it got strangely dark. I cannot believe the amount of conflict this image created. Or, or who, could, who could forget this auditory meme from just a couple years ago? Take a listen. Laurel. 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 Okay, raise your hand. Who hears Laurel. the Annie? Laurel. Look around. All right, who hears Laurel? Laurel. <laughs> the look of disbelief on your face fills my heart with so much joy. Again, the internet lost its mind. And I actually think it was just a marketing scheme for Yanni's new album, which was brilliant. He did such a good job with that. But people lost their minds. And it's not just goofy stuff like that either, right? Like, it's one thing to disagree about an internet meme. It's something else entirely though to, to have like real conflict in our lives, right? Like maybe, maybe it's a spouse or a roommate that just doesn't have the same cleanliness values as you, right? Or it's a coworker that with group projects never carries their own. Or maybe it's a relative that has strong political convictions but weak social skills. Anyone have one of those? We all have conflict. We will all face conflict. And the goal of today is to not avoid it, but to go into it with a strategy. To not run from it, but to actually have a strategy for how to have healthy conflict. And because this topic in particular, I think is so personal, but can also be so visceral, I thought we just, why don't we just pray together, just to begin. Why don't we all just like lower our shoulders, close our eyes. I'm going to pray for us, that God would do something in our midst that only he can do. Let's, let's pray together. God, we recognize that what we don't need is uh, one more sermon, one more list of ideas. God, what we ultimately need is your Holy Spirit power and presence in our life. God, open our eyes to see the ways that we are complicit in conflict. That is not godly. That is not healthy. That is toxic to us, God. And church, I would even ask you just in this moment to ask God to help you not to just be spectators in this conversation, but to actually lean in, to learn and allow the power of God to move and stir in our lives individually and collectively as a family. God, we thank you and we love you and we pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. 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 So here's, here's what I want to do. When talking about conflict, I figured it would make sense to start with Jesus, right? 
And uh, one of the most famous statements of Jesus comes in the Sermon on the Mount. He said this. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. This is just one short statement in a long list, maybe the, faint, the most famous sermon ever delivered. Blessed are the peacemakers. Now, when Jesus calls something blessed, we should pay attention to that. In fact, the Apostle Paul echoes this sentiment here. He says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If at all possible, as far as it depends on you, which is a good caveat, sometimes there'll be tension in our lives that you may be able to forgive somebody, but there will not be reconciliation. Forgiveness takes one person. Reconciliation takes two. Sometimes it's not possible. But he's saying, if it is at all possible, strive for peace. Strive for unity. Not uniformity. We don't need to all look and talk and act and believe the exact same thing. Not uniformity. But unity, peace, if, if at all, can you hear it in Paul's voice? Like he's pleading, please, guys, this, this is such a big deal. More than dogma and branding and advertising and marketing. Let, let people see this absolutely incredible peace in your midst. Because the world will take notice. This is obviously easier said than done. So let's... Let's talk about our willingness first when it comes to uh, dealing with conflict. I'm going to put the scale up on the screen, and uh, I want you to plot yourself. Where, where on the scale uh, would you place yourself? And this is not a passive exercise. I want you to really look at the scale and kind of imagine where you would be on that scale. On this side, conflict avoided, right? Completely. Co- this is the kind of person, maybe we've all done this, you know, where you get a text and you just don't want to respond to that person, so you like flip it over. But then you're like, well, I can't go on social media now because they'll see that I was on Facebook. And didn't, so you bury your computer in the ground and you move to the mountains and you become a monk. Anyone, we've all, right? That's conflict avoidant. Like I don't, whatever I have to do to not deal with it. On the other side, we have conflict assertive. Some of you this morning were like, yeah, we're talking about conflict. Calm down, okay? Just, <laughs> You're making conflict with people that you don't even have disagreement with. You just like the fight. You like the energy. That's, and that's, okay, so we, we, in a room this size, we probably all land somewhere on that spectrum. Can we agree? So figure out where you are in that spectrum. Where would you put yourself? Maybe not surprising, um, my family's more on the assertive side. I'm sure this will shock you. I come from a family of talkers. We love to talk, and it's usually at high volume because we love to love out loud. That's how we show love to each other, is screaming at each other. It's great. I remember the first time I brought my now wife home to meet my family, uh, I did not warn her for that. And so we popped into my house. It was a tornado of noise. We left to go get coffee, and she goes, uh, what was that? And I go, that. And she goes, that chaos. And I was like, we just call that Tuesday. That's just a normal day. At the Simpkins household, when I first had a meal at her family's house, it was, at least to my sensibilities, dead quiet. And we left, and I go, is everyone mad at each other? And she's like, no, we just call that Tuesdays. That's how we have a meal as a family. So, so your background, your context, will most certainly inform how assertive or avoidant you are. So, so we'll come back to that. But here's, here's what I want us to just note and kind of get in our heads around. Life brings conflict. It's not just... Like in our families, with our spouses, with relatives or neighbors. Like, have you ever noticed that if someone goes flying past you on the road when you're not in a hurry, that person's a jerk. But if you're flying on the road and you're in a hurry, it's justified because I have a meeting. Anyone notice that? Like, conflict surrounds us all the time. It could be a driver, a coworker. But I also know that for a lot of us, it goes way deeper than that. 
And we, and we have a few moments together now. But please hear me. I, I know that for a lot of us, our, our conflict and how we interact with it actually runs way deep. Some of us, we go from relationship to relationship to relationship because once the chemistry runs out, we don't know how to deal with conflict. Chemistry can take you so far, and that's not just in romantic relationships. Chemistry can carry you a little bit, but you will experience conflict. How do we actually deal with that conflict? So, so often, and we've seen this more and more these days, haven't we? We begin to dehumanize the person with, with whom we have conflict, right? Have you ever asked somebody, hey, how is so-and-so? And the response is, oh, you mean my ex? Like, Ooh, that person no longer has a name, apparently. They're just... The, the doer of evil, right? Or we, we dehumanize people by how, how we address them or we call them animals or we use language that dehumanizes them. That's what happens when we have unhealthy conflict. There's a couple of things I want to talk about. The first is that I think a lot of us have wound-based filters. Wound-based filters. In fact, I would argue that probably all of us do to some degree. And I'll just, I'll, give, I'll use myself as an example. Uh, in my family... We were raised with a number of really, really great principles. Two that come to my mind were hard work and integrity. Hard work and integrity. Hard work. I've had a paper out since I was nine. I mean, I don't still have a paper out. I had a paper out when I was nine. But working since I was nine. I want you to imagine a head this size on the body of a nine-year-old with a fanny pack collecting every week. That was me. That was, and I loved it. And it was hard at times, but our family really made it a priority to make sure we understood the value of hard work and also integrity. Who you are, even when no one is watching, that's your integrity, your character. Fast forward to today, if you challenge my work ethic or my integrity, I really struggle. It's, it's hard for me to see clearly. If someone doesn't give me the benefit of the doubt or they assume the worst in me or they assume that I'm slacking or that I was being dishonest and this way that, there, there is something in my brain, maybe you can relate, that like all, just all the knobs go to 11. I start, seeing, I start seeing red and I'm not proud of that. I'm not excusing it. But for me, that's a wound-based filter because that's so ingrained in who I was raised to be that when it gets challenged, like it's, it's like all systems go. It can be really, really hard for me to engage in healthy conflict. So a lot of us, if not all of us, have wound-based filters, but we also also have expectations, every single one of us. You maybe think that you don't. This is not just for your spouse. This is not just for your coworkers. We all have expectations, whether we've articulated them to ourselves or the other person or not. They could be unspoken, unreasonable, and unagreed upon, which I'm not sure is a word, but there, there's expectations floating around at all times. Whether we've communicated them or not, so often our response is because someone did not meet the expectations that I had for them. So the next time that you feel some tension, some conflict rising, maybe ask these questions. Am I responding out of a filter? Is this, is this somehow like poking at some pain that I haven't dealt with? Like we, we talked last week, right? Pain that's not transformed is transmitted. It will eventually come out. And so often, here's where it comes out. Secondly, ask what expectations aren't being met? whether you've said them out loud or not, what expectation did I have for this person that I feel let down in this moment that is causing this rage, this anger, this sadness? So let me put that, let me put that scale back up, that avoidant assertive scale. Did you figure out where you're at? Why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell them how avoidant you are? No, I'm just kidding, don't do that. Um, I want you to keep that in mind. Remember where you're at. I want to add another dimension to this, and we're going to go quadrant on you all. So this horizontal axis has to do with our willingness, and this vertical axis has to do with our care. Horizontal is willingness. Vertical is care. So I'm going to 
I know that we are complex beings, and so these are just four quadrants of very uh, complicated realities, but hopefully this will give us some handles for better understanding why I respond the way that I do when facing this thing that we're literally all going to face. Uh, So the first, the upper left here, is the peacekeeper. The peacekeeper. Now, that may sound like what we read earlier, but notice I didn't say peacemaker. I said peacekeeper. There's a lot of care, but they're not willing to address it. Peacekeeper doesn't want to rock the boat, right? That's typically their priority. I don't want to, I don't want to make, make waves. This is typically manifest with the silent treatment or walking away or passive aggression. It's, it's why we have shops like the breakup shop. Have you heard of this? The breakup shop is a real business that will break up for your boyfriend or girlfriend for you if you'd rather not have the conflict. <laughs> for those curious, here's how the pricing breaks down. For $10, they'll send a text. <laughs> just says, bye, Felicia. I don't know what it says. I have no idea. <laughs> Winky face. Uh, for $20, it'll send a letter. For $30, it'll make a phone call, which how creepy is that? Hi, Gary. Yeah, this isn't actually Gary. This is Steve over at the breakup shop. Like, oh, this is not going to be a good conversation. Plus, they also have a shop, though, so that when they break up with the person you want broken up with, they can also send, like, a box of chocolates or a copy of the notebook to help them cope through the breakup that you just paid for. If you're a peacekeeper, your heart is probably in the right place. But what you need is a strategy. In fact, Jesus spoke to this. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, if you enter your place of worship and about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge that a friend has against you, abandon your offering. Leave immediately. Go to this friend and make things right. Now, please please don't leave right now. I see you, Tom. Tom's already packing up. Um, But that's pretty intense, isn't it? That's a pretty severe statement from Rabbi Jesus. Hey, if you're in your place of worship and you realize this is is going on, you didn't deal with it, leave. Take care of it. The unity of the body, the peace of the family is important. Apparently so important that Jesus says, we'll see you next Sunday. That's fine. Go, go, Go take care of it. Now, I think for a lot of us, we run from this type of confrontation because we don't want to rock the boat. But what if we realize though, that by continually trying to keep the waters calm, we're actually doing damage to ourselves and doing damage to others? Uh, the next quadrant, lower right, is the bully. Addressing conflict is not a challenge for the bully. The bully says, bring it on, right? And the, the challenge for the bully is not confrontation. It's confrontation with care. The bully's ready to dive in. Let's do it. Doesn't matter time, place, even if it's an appropriate time or place. Anyone know someone like that? Like, I know we can have this conversation, but now is, now is not the time. The bully says, bring it on. The issue is not confrontation. It's confrontation with care. It's sort of like this. Think about a scalpel and a hatchet. They both cut, but only one cuts to heal. Right? They both cut... But it has to do with design and motive. They both cut, but only one cuts to heal. And so often we come with a hatchet thinking that it's a scalpel, thinking it's for your good, so I'm just going to tell you like it is. The issue is not confrontation. The issue is confrontation with care. Now, keep in mind, if, if, you, if you know someone like this, you are someone like this, th- these are some of the signs. Because often that person will make the other person in their story the enemy or the idiot every time. Give pause 
If someone in your life is always making the other person, typically not present, the idiot or the enemy, they are always uh, belittling those around them to make themselves feel more important, and they call it confrontation. There are so many wrong ways to be right. Are we tracking? It's not just a matter of being right, but being right in the right ways. We're not just called to speak truth. In fact, listen to what the Apostle Paul says. He says, speak the truth in, what's the word? He's saying that's, that's equally as important. Somebody would say, I'm speaking the truth. doesn't matter how they interpret it or how I say it. Nothing could be further from the truth. So often we're right in the wrong ways. Your conclusion maybe is spot on, but your methodology is all jacked up. Don't just speak the truth. Speak it with the aroma of Jesus. Speak it with love. There's a way for conflict to be constructive, not destructive. To build a community, not cut it down. One of my favorite verses of all time comes from Proverbs, and it says this. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. It's not a cuddly verse, right? No one ever reads it like, you know, iron, and you just like to hug it at night before you go to sleep, right? What's, what's happening here? Iron is being smashed into iron, likely to make a tool or a sword. There's something about this friction when you go with the grain, not against it, that sharpens each other. That when conflict done with care between family, between loved ones, between people who get it, it actually makes us so much better. It makes us sharper. Like think about a coach. What makes a good coach? I'll tell you what makes a terrible coach. One that just agrees with you on everything. Everything you're doing is perfect, four-year-old. I can teach you nothing. That's how swimming should be done, right? No, a coach is always disagreeing with you. Always saying, actually, you could, yeah, that form's a little off. But this, you can actually get a lot more power if you do this, right? A good coach is constantly disagreeing. That's that iron sharpening iron. Maybe, maybe this would be a helpful way to think about it. Um, this is like one of my favorite instruments of all time. This is, my, uh, this is a keyboard from home, and um, my son is furious that it's here and not there. But um, let's make sure it's... Yeah, how does that, does that sound okay out there, right? Let's just, let's just test it. Okay, good. It works. Um, uh, outstanding. This is, uh, you, guys, you guys will know when the, the sermon is wrapping up when you, when you hear this, right? I'll get really emotional and that'll... But that's a couple minutes away still. Um, so... So uh, I implored the wisdom of some much smarter men and women on staff here, and they're teaching me about scales and theory, and and most of it went over my head. But something that I realized, though, is common for all of us, whether or not uh, you know music at all, is that we will likely all have the same reaction uh, to what I'm about to do here. Are you ready? Here we go. Okay, let's close in prayer. (laughs) Someone in the... No, pastor, don't do it. Okay, so there's, there's tension there. There's discord as it pertains to the scale that I played. In fact, I learned that that's called a leading tone. Why? Because it's leading somewhere. There's a reason that most lullabies do not have leading tones because that's not the goal. But in classical music, it's filled with leading tones. It's filled with discord. It's filled with tension that everything in our gut says, oh, let's get to the... Resolve. Let's resolve. In fact, hum it out loud if you can. Here we go. You already knew what it was. There's something 
deeply ingrained in us that knows, oh, it's not supposed to live right here. In, in fact, uh, there's something called the tritone, which was nicknamed the devil's interval. In fact, in like certain medieval cities, it was outlawed to play a tritone because it was, it was so conflicting. There was so much discord, something in us desired to move to resolve. That's what conflict is meant to do in our lives, not to leave us where we're at. Come as you are. It's not the same as stay as you are. God loves you just the way you are and too much to let us stay there. Conflict, this leading tone, is what moves us into health, moves us into growth, but we don't get there unless we go through the conflict. Don't put the weights down because they're heavy, expecting your muscles to grow. And for the early Jewish mystics, in fact, they would talk about the place where they argued, where they disagreed. They called that holy ground. Did you know that? The place where they would come together and they'd duke it out and they'd wrestle and they'd disagree and they'd dive deep. They called that space holy ground because they knew that's where God does some of his best work in our midst. But if we're just jumping in like a bully or we're avoiding it at all costs, we'll never get there. We need to have healthy conflict goals. Now, the lower left is apathy. This is less of a title and it's more how, how it feels, right? It's you're low on energy, you're low on care, you, you just feel beat up. It actually makes me think of this guy, an article a friend sent me. A uh, man fakes being deaf, dumb for 62 years to avoid listening to wife. <laughs> Some of you are like, great idea. It's not. In fact, this is the statement from his lawyer. My client is pretty quiet, but his wife is annoyingly chatty. If he hadn't faked being deaf, they would have divorced 60 years ago. In a way, he did it for her, right? In fact, the story later talks about how frustrated the wife was that she spent two years learning sign language and after two years when she perfected it, his eyesight started to go and she said, you know what, I'm starting to think he faked that too. Um, we don't want to be in this place. This is not a place of growth and health and meaning. And this one's tough. It's tough for marriages and families and friendships but they're worth fighting for. I'm telling you, it's worth fighting for and fighting in the right way with scalpels, not hatchets. Right? A good friend lets you know that you have spinach in your teeth. Right, That's confrontation. You're not being a good friend by like, ooh, you have it. Never mind. I'm going to let him go to six job interviews today and not say a thing. Sometimes we have to call that out in each other. But honestly, some of us maybe are more in a place of apathy. And as a quick aside, though, if in your situation it's an instance of abuse, verbal, physical, emotional, spiritual, get out. Let the church rally around you. Let, let us support you. Find a safe place. Stay with a relative. This, this is not what I'm talking about here. If, if you're in a case where abuse is happening in your house, let, let us care for you. Let us, let us love you. Let us come alongside you. You are not alone, and you were never intended to do this thing alone. Let, let us walk alongside you. The goal is the upper right, Jesus' words, to be the peacemaker, not appeasing not avoiding, and not attacking. Are we tracking the differences? Not appeasing. Everything's fine. Let's make it go away. Not avoiding, running away, and not attacking. Peace making. So how, how do we move forward with this goal? I'm gonna issue just three challenges, and you'll get a card a little bit later in the service that'll help you kind of walk through and, and remember some of these strategies that I hope are helpful. And maybe this is a review for some of you, but I'm telling you, sometimes it's the simplest truths that actually help us the most. Number one, for minor issues, I call this the I notice, I prefer. I notice, I prefer. For example, 
I notice that your towel's on the floor. I prefer it be hung up. I wouldn't recommend doing it as sarcastically as I just did. That probably... <laughs> just listen to my words and don't pay attention to my face. That'll, that'll go well for all of us. I notice I prefer... Uh, the second is puzzled. Instead of assuming that you know, say, I'm puzzled. I'm puzzled why you, you said that when we were out with our friends last night. I, I'm, I'm puzzled why we keep coming back to this thing. It's not assuming their motive. What you do know is what was actually said in your response. What we do not know is the narrative or the motive behind what they said. So a little sentence is like, can you help me understand? Just help me understand what was going on there because I, I'm, a little, I'm a little puzzled. And frankly, I'm a, I'm a little hurt. And number three, this is more emotional than like a missed phone call or a towel on the floor. It's I feel blank when you blank. I feel unimportant when you're on your phone for the whole meal. I feel undervalued when we're with our friends. You just always seem to be knocking me down a couple of rungs. Whatever that is. And let's put all of them on the screen. Notice they're all I statements. It's not about casting blame. It's not about attacking. It's about, hey, can I just be honest about... This is what's going on, and I know that I have expectations maybe and wound-based filters, but can we get better at this? Let's not be each other's enemy. Let's make this thing the thing that we're going to resolve together. We're in a leading tone right now. Let's let God lead us somewhere. Let's let it move us somewhere. So who are you in conflict with? Remember what Jesus said in Matthew five twenty-three, right? If you're at your place of worship and there's something going on, deal with it. Make it a priority. Who are you in conflict with? Con- conflict is not only inevitable, but when done right, it can be so healthy and so good. Remember, he said, blessed are the peacemakers. God- God's goal is reconciliation, not retaliation. Reconciliation, not retaliation. And the reason that we're able to do that is because we see the sacred Imago Dei, the image of God in everyone we meet, which means... You can look at the eyes of even the person you hate and see the one you love because they're made with sacred, holy dignity. And because we have gospel-thickened skin, we can lean in with patience and love and not jump to conclusions. And we can be iron sharpening iron. We can say, man, we're in a leading tone right now, but God is moving us somewhere. Where do you think he's moving us together? Let's make this happen together. Friends, I'm telling you, it will be hard. It can be so difficult. And sometimes you may just need to walk away. But I believe that if we can do this together, a world so broken and hurting will see the peace that we live with. And say, I don't even know about your Jesus, but I want some of that. What would it look like if we made this a priority in our lives? To not just have conflict, but to have conflict God's way. To have him at the center of what we say and what we do. Let's pray. God, thank you for loving us with that kind of love. Pursuing us, going after us again and again and again. Thank you, God, that at the very center of this story, when there was conflict between us and you, whether we knew it or not even, your love initiated, you came after us. God, help us to have eyes to see the ways that we're complicit in perpetuating toxic conflict and to walk towards health together, God. We thank you. We love you. We pray all this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.